Alright, so looking to cover the second debate this week, uh, fourth overall. Um, all this Kamala Harris, Joe Biden crap leading up to the debate, it's very like WWE. Um, the fact is, though, neither one of these folks are going to win. Neither one of these folks are even going to win the nomination of their party, let alone win against Donald Trump. But yet, they are the front runners, quote unquote. It's just super annoying to see the media uh, propel front runners based on qualifications that the media themselves comes up with and then it's just like projected on the society as fact ultimately resulting in like a self-fulfilling prophecy type situation um start this second debate just like yesterday's debate with um the hand over their heart charade standing in front of the audience while the colors come out and the national anthems played uh this is after the starting lineups found it interesting that Tim Scott caught some flack yesterday and today because apparently he did not put his hand over his heart during the National Anthem yesterday. I don't know why that's such a big deal. It reminds me of the Obama flag pin controversy that Obama had to deal with back in 2008. It's all stupid and ridiculous. One of the people that was super loud um, going at Tim Scott, no fan of Tim Scott, but Jesus Christ, he's allowed to stand up there and not put his hand on his heart. It doesn't mean he's less patriotic than the rest of us. Um, Megan McCain was one of the people that was very vocal. Megan McCain doesn't get to question anyone else's patriotism. Megan McCain is a neoconservative warmonger, daughter of one of the biggest warmongers in American history, John McCain. Um, she does not get to question other people's patriotism based on any anything especially where they put their hand while the national anthem plays or you know what policy they choose to advocate for if it goes against what Meghan McCain believes that doesn't mean they're any less patriotic starting out this debate Kamala Harris doesn't seem to know the numbers of her own health care plan um, she stumbles multiple times and it just comes off like she's basically repeating talking points which is never a good look Cory Booker says that the moderators are pitting Democrats against each other and this becomes a theme throughout the night from some of the candidates, especially Booker. Hey, Cory Booker, that's actually what a debate is. <laughs> People being pitted against each other, um, having a battle of ideas, uh, talking it out. That's what a debate is, buddy. Um, he then calls Donald Trump the enemy. Um, Tulsi Gabbard finally gets a comment. She says, Big Pharma shouldn't be writing healthcare legislation. That should be self-evident, but sadly it's not. Kamala Harris keeps getting multiple responses between each other person because they keep talking about her health care plan. So they keep going back to her and back to her and back to her up to this point, which is maybe 30 minutes into the debate. She's had to talk maybe three, four times more than any other candidate on the stage. This is getting pretty absurd. As people start to criticize Kamala Harris, it then starts getting referred to by others on the stage as Republican talking points. Guys, guys and gals, that is a very weak response to the actual reality of a debate happening amongst 10 people people are going to disagree there's going to be valid criticism levied and it's not it does it should not get characterized as republican talking points be adults um stop being bitches seriously stop making excuses stop trying to conflate away honest genuine criticisms just deal with reality deal with the fact you're running for president and just be an adult be a grown-up i think that's pretty solid advice for everybody um a question that deserves to be asked and should be asked is bluntly do democrats want open borders this also 
talking about the border and decriminalizing it, decriminalizing crossings or keeping the current law. This is also not Republican talking points, even though Julian Castro wants us to believe that um, having a civilized conversation about border law and border security is actually Republican talking points. No, sir, you are full of crap. Just noting the self-evident semantics of what is reality here, if you decriminalize illegal border crossings, that is technically opening the border. I mean, if you can't admit that, then you're just being intellectually dishonest with everybody. So a better question is, are you for open borders or not? Even a better question than that is, do you believe in national sovereignty or not? This question should be directly posed to everybody on stage so they can give, so they can give a proper response to an issue that is just so emotionally insane at times. We should know in the most basic, purest form where everybody stands ideologically on this issue, on every issue, but especially on this issue because it's simple. Do you believe in the American border or not? North and South, do you believe in sovereignty or not? That's not racist to say. It's not a Republican talking point. It's not xenophobic. It's not anything. It's a basic question. And if you want to make them stupid arguments in response to a basic question like that, you are just evading answering the question. You're just being purposefully obtuse and disrespectful. A topic that comes up shortly thereafter is how children are being treated. Um, I just like to say how children are being treated at the border and American border law. These things are two different topics. Um, you can actually be for the decent, humane, good treatment of children and at the same time believe in American border law and believe in American sovereignty. You can do those things at the same time. And Tulsi makes this point, but like too many Democrats just conflate all this together. It's like if somehow you believe in national sovereignty and an actual border, you then somehow also believe in mistreating children. It's a bullshit argument, but it gets tons of play because it's just it's just based in false headlines. But that's what plays. That's what plays with voters who don't really pay attention or don't really care to even like have a genuine thought on an issue. Protesters start yelling three million deportations while Joe Biden is speaking on this issue, which is interesting because that is in reference to Barack Obama deporting three million people while he was president. He even earned the nickname deporter in chief by some folks in the country. Um, very inconvenient fact that Democrats don't want to pay attention to, but it is still a fact regardless. And at least these protesters know and they're just, and they're letting Biden have it, um, repeatedly shouting it until they're, I'm assuming, drug out of the arena because <laughs> the chanting abruptly stops up to this point, which is nearing about an hour into this thing. Tulsi has been given one moment to speak. As soon as I note that, Jake Tapper goes to Tulsi, so that's cool. And she says that, yes, we should have secure borders and also treat people humanely. We can do both, which is what I jumped the gun and explaining like a couple minutes ago. We can actually do both at the same time. That's actually possible. Such a sane, grown-up thing to say. That's not me trying to be condescending. It may come off as condescending, and I apologize if it does, but how can we not do both things at the same time? It's just disingenuous to imply that we cannot. It's actually mean-spirited to imply that we cannot, to imply that if somehow we believe in sovereignty, we also believe in mistreating kids. It's BS. Andrew Yang says that immigrants are being scapegoated for things that they have nothing to do with, and that is oftentimes the case. That's a totally legit statement and oftentimes the case. Cory Booker continues to bitch about Republican talking points. Literally, he's made this point three or four times at this point in the debate. Cory Booker, you gotta grow up, dude. You're running for president. You have to have debate. 
you have to have an actual genuine dialogue on issues. You can't just fall back and say, Republican talking point. You can't just keep saying racist. You have to actually have a dialogue on a plethora of issues. This is what you got yourself into when you ran for president. You can't just do this BS juvenile junior high type stuff. You got to cut it out, man. Jay Inslee then calls Donald Trump a white nationalist. So I find this pretty egregious because it's not true. Um, <laughs> I actually know the definition of white nationalist. A son of a bitch cunt like Richard Spencer is a white nationalist. He believes in a whites only nation state. That's what a white nationalist actually believes and wants to achieve. At no point has Donald Trump ever been in this camp. You cannot show any um, objective evidence that he wants to be in this camp or has ever done anything in his life to be in this camp. You can dislike him and say that he's a buffoon and say that he speaks poorly and is actually very mean-spirited and pretty ignorant and just an arrogant son of a bitch. You can say all those things, but to make the jump over the shark and say that he is a white nationalist and to tie him to you know creatures like David Duke, which somebody did last night, is just BS. It's just BS and it's going to backfire on you because you're being dishonest. Tulsi Gabbard actually says that she is not for free college for undocumented immigrants. Wow. She may be the only person that actually has the courage to take that stance because I remember the second debate, the second debate of the first round of the Dem debates, everyone on the stage, I believe, said that undocumented people should get free health care. Tulsi was the first night. She was not asked that question, but they asked her directly now and she says she is not for that. Props to you. Bernie Sanders is for that. Everybody else is for that. Tulsi's not. That's a distinction that American voters are going to remember. Trust that. Cory Booker says to Joe Biden, you can't invoke Obama when it's convenient and then dodge it when it's not convenient. <laughs> Bravo, because Joe Biden seems to be doing that during this debate and being out crisscrossing the country, um, commenting on issues. You can criticize Obama too. You don't have to just carry his water just because you were his VP. You can still be friends, criticize him and still be friends at the end of the day. Do what you need to do. Just be honest, Joe Biden. Kirsten Gillibrand says... We, and I guess we meaning America, we used to believe that you should treat others how you want to be treated. Great sentiment. I believe in the golden rule. Everybody should believe in the golden rule. The golden rule is one of the most important concepts in the world. It is self-evident. But I'd also note that the golden rule is not being applied to Donald Trump, nor is it being applied to people who vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, Democrats just are hypocrites on this issue, including Kirsten Gillibrand, who said it just now. She does not put it into action. I've seen her not put it in action. And 10 minutes from now in this very debate, she does not put it into action. Even though she said this 10 minutes prior to what she says in the future, which I will reference once I get down to that section in my notes. Joe Biden says that people are hooked on drugs and they're being put in prison. And he says, that's a bad thing. Well, uh, Joe Biden, that is because of Joe Biden. <laughs> that's because of the Clinton crime bill that you championed for years, Joe Biden, and that you actually had a part in writing. You wrote the damn thing. And you actually bragged that you championed it and wrote it for years and years and years, decades even, up until like three or four years ago, you were you were still bragging about championing this thing. So Joe Biden, where the hell do you get off saying shit like that? Cory Booker rightfully notes that Biden bragged every crime bill since the 70s has my name on it. <laughs> Joe Biden, gotta take that one square on the face. Booker then says, don't compare our records. I'm surprised you're comparing our records. It is a absolute given fact. Joe Biden has the worst record of, of anybody up on a stage on criminal justice issues, period. It's not even a question. Joe Biden was one of the people that did create the mess that we have now. Joe Biden is responsible for a lot of this stuff. He's not the only one, but he's a name that is responsible and it cannot be denied. There's just no way around it. 
Julian Castro wants a national use of force standard for police. That's a good idea. Castro didn't follow his apple saying, the police officer that killed Eric Garner should be off the street. Fire done. Um, he says this to Bill de Blasio, the political overseer of that police department. And he's allowed this person to keep his job somehow. Just mind-blowing. The dude that choked Eric Garner out and killed him on video. Jesus Christ, I can't even believe I have to say that. On video, choked him out, killed him. This dude should not be a cop. Like, it's the fact that we're even debating that is just absolutely atrocious. Joe Biden seems to think the things that happened a long time ago shouldn't matter now. Well, inaccurate, Joe Biden. Things that happened a long time ago actually serve to show people what you stood for historically. It matters a lot. Biden and Kamala start squabbling about busing. I'm not even going to get into that because it's just a bunch of BS. Tulsi Gabbard then starches Kamala Harris over criminal justice issues. Holy cow, I'm not even going to get into that, but you need to search out the clip on YouTube. It's about three minutes. She blatantly says to Kamala, when you were in a position to make a difference, you did not make a difference. Wow. It was definitely the best moment of the debate. Um, and I think, honestly, Tulsi ended Kamala's false um, 2020 campaign momentum in all of about 90 seconds when she said what she did and Harris all flustered responded back and it was a, a couple times back and forth and it's just a very interesting dialogue about these issues. Tulsi did not hold back but she was being accurate and that's what matters. Andrew Yang says we are too late to fix the climate issue. 10 years too late a matter of fact which is pretty interesting and I guess kind of a courageous thing to say. And he didn't say it in like a hopeless way like oh we might as well throw in a towel everybody's gonna die. He wasn't saying it like that. He's more just not being a quote-unquote politician looking to write some more legislation because they're out fear-mongering about whatever issue they want to fear-monger about. He chose not to um, stir up Agenda 21 talking points, and he just said, hey, we probably missed the boat on this. Um, we can still aim to do good, but in reality, America's like 10% or 14% of all um, carbon emissions worldwide. So no matter what we do, like it's still going to be an issue. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, but... It's going to take more than America, a collective effort that needs to be more appreciated. That doesn't mean, just so I can jump in and give my own thoughts, that doesn't mean pass a worldwide um, carbon tax that rolls in a world government, but it does mean moving the green energy and giving us more options in the area of energy. All these different things, there's technologies out there they need focused on, they need more funding, the possibilities of what we can do with different technologies need uncovered, and may the best ones win. Andrew Yang didn't say that, but that's kind of my take on it. Here's a statement that Kirsten Gillibrand made that was pretty mean. Um, just literally 10 minutes after she got done lecturing the crowd about needing to respect the golden rule, which isn't a lecture, but it comes off as a lecture, a grandstanding lecture, after she disrespects her own rule 10 minutes later, when she says, when she becomes president, she is going to Clorox the Oval Office. Okay, it gets some laughs, but it's super mean. And what the hell does that even mean? Is that treating somebody like you wanna be treated? Imagine, imagine, just for a second, imagine if a Republican or an independent or God forbid even another Democrat said that about Barack Obama. We need to Clorox the Oval Office when he gets out. Wow, that would have been a super inappropriate thing to say, yet it's okay to say because it's about Donald Trump. If you believe in the golden rule, believe in it. But like, don't talk about the golden rule and then five minutes later, take a big massive shit on the concept of the golden rule because ultimately all you do is you look like a hypocrite and a grandstander but you also disparage the concept of the golden rule you put it down you just got done propping it up and then you put it down five minutes later 
and you're leading by example, showing people that you don't even believe in the golden rule. You show them by your actions that you don't even believe in it. And what's that going to do? It's probably going to make other people not believe in it either. If you're not holding yourself to a certain standard, why should they? One of the moderators mentions that Tulsi Gabbard does not co-sponsor the Green New Deal. She confirms this, says no, she does not, and notes that she sponsored the Off Fossil Fuel Act, which, by the way, is way more realistic, and hasn't got that much support. Jake Tapper notes, um, talking to Joe Biden, about Elizabeth Warren's comment yesterday about spinelessness and needing to have courage and show some spine as opposed to being spineless. Um, now, this is just me freestyling here, but on the topic of spinelessness, Tulsi Gabbard is the only one running and the only one debating that is acting consistently as if she has a spine. I mean, she's going up against the biggest issues that we face as a society, consistently against the military industrial complex. She's going up against big tech with censorship. She's going up against the Federal Reserve with their bullshit money manipulations. And she's going up against partisan mobs, bullshit mobs that are emotive and reactive and seek to squelch free speech as a reaction to getting their feelings hurt. And it doesn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat. She speaks out against them both consistently. These are the things that in the current time frame, in my opinion, are the biggest issues, the biggest dangers out there, aside from the always lurking potential to, to fire off a nuclear war, especially when we're pulling out of missile treaties because of the whole made up Russia nonsense. But that's a whole different topic. But want to talk about having a spine and being spineless, man, like Tulsi's on another level in my opinion, when it comes to actually having a spine. And there's some other good candidates, Andrew Yang, Marion Williamson, um, others, but they're not on Tulsi's level, <laughs> especially when taking on these things that I just noted. It takes super real courage to take those things on, and she's doing it. She's doing it. The polls, according to the moderators, say that Joe Biden is the best suited to beat Donald Trump in a general election. That's super, super BS. We all know from 2016 that they oversampled Democrats on nearly every poll, like 7 8%, which is why Hillary had a five-point lead in every single poll that was ever ran, and then she ended up losing the election. It's because they oversampled Democrats on every poll, 5 6 7 8 9 10%, which projected Hillary ahead of Trump 10, 12, 14 percentage points, when in reality, he was actually winning, and he did win. And they're doing the same thing. Joe Biden is not winning these polls, and Joe Biden has no chance to beat Donald Trump, neither does Kamala Harris. That's just real talk. Sorry. Tulsi Gabbard slams both parties, says she cares about speaking the truth, and says war needs to end. Well, there you go. Nobody else is saying stuff like that. And she says it more directly and more eloquently than I just said it. I just kind of paraphrased it. But nobody else on either night's really talking like that. And that's a damn shame. Cory Booker blames the loss of Michigan in 2016 on the Russians targeting black voters. Motherfuck. This is absurd. This is absurd and embarrassing. Come on, man. Tulsi Gabbard says the TPP gave away, sought to give away our sovereignty. Absolutely 100% spot on. Multinational corporations um, had the ability through the TPP to make rulings, and then those rulings would supersede American law. They would, they would supersede the Constitution. They would supersede American precedent and law. Um, Tulsi is absolutely correct in noting all this, because that's, that's exactly what the TPP sought to do. Obama pushed it, Hillary pushed it, Joe Biden pushed it. They were all wrong for doing so, and Tulsi was correct for being against it. So was Bernie Sanders, so was Elizabeth Warren. And But still, as the TPP comes up, nobody gives Trump credit for actually tearing it up on day one or two of his presidency, which even still, to this very minute, was probably Trump's greatest thing that he's done as president. Joe Biden then calls the TPP the TTP, 
uh, okay. <laughs> Kamala Harrison tries to restore her campaign by going after Joe Biden again. It's like she just got scorched by Tulsi Gabbard not like 15 minutes prior. And it's pretty clear to me that she makes an effort towards the end of this debate to go after Joe Biden again so she can get a zinger in. So that can be the narrative heading out of this second debate because she literally got scorched by Tulsi Gabbard. There she goes, right back at Joe Biden. Um, reality is, Kamala, you're still a fake. You're still a hypocritical neoliberal. And you're still a technocratic warmonger. All those things are going to follow you around. And you're still a prosecutor that did many things that suppressed your own people that you now grandstand and claim to be an advocate for. You just got to atone for that. People will take you more seriously if you do. Can't just pretend like that didn't happen. The Tulsi Gabbard says, and I quote, Politicians are arbitrating foreign policy from ivory towers in Washington. Yeah, yeah they are. Cory Booker, sadly, will not commit to pulling our troops out of Afghanistan for some weird reason. Andrew Yang says in The Forever Wars, Good job, Mr. Yang. I would note that he made some lazy-ass comments about Russia in the first debate. Um, rhetoric that ultimately leads to isolation. Rhetoric that is based in, basically, demonization. And that oftentimes ends in war, especially when we're pulling out of missile treaties and, you know, doing all kinds of unhinged nonsense to appease these upside-down or liberals. But, uh, I guess that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> Joe Biden says he regrets his vote on the Iraq war. Hey, at least he can acknowledge it. But then he makes a ludicrous statement and says that he was outspoken as much as anyone who was ever against the Iraq war. Um, you were as outspoken as anyone else. Uh, I don't think so, sir. Do you know a congressman from Texas named Ron Paul? He was probably a million, maybe even a billion times more outspoken than you were ever against the Iraq war. And that is just a fact. Um, there's, there's, there's no disputing that. I don't know how you even get off saying that you were more outspoken. Ron Paul, Ron Paul, Ron Paul, Ron Paul, Dennis Kucinich, Dennis Kucinich, Dennis Kucinich, Dennis Kucinich. I remember you being on the stage when you were running for president with Dennis Kucinich. You were not more outspoken than Dennis Kucinich, not even close. Get real, man. Tulsi Gabbard says, on the topic of the Iraq war, we were all lied to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. Bill de Blasio says we need to talk about our march to war in Iran. Legit. Too bad Don Lemon cuts him off and straight up ignores it and totally changes the subject. Way to go, Don Lemon, you fucking asshole. They finally do go to the Mueller report, which they totally ignored on the first debate. Russia. And we got a lot of intellectual midgets on this topic. Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Bill de Blasio. All these people, anti-Russia, fearmongers, scapegoatists, McCarthyists, may I even say racist? I mean, how do you not call them racist when literally everything they say is totally anti-Russia, anti-Russian, and every implication is that if you talk to anybody that's Russian, you're like a traitor. That's a bit racist. In reality, Tulsi Gabbard, again, <laughs> has been the only person that's had the courage to buck this trend of just going down this fucking conspiracy hole of making excuses for the atrocious, horrible candidate, Hillary Clinton, who got her ass handed to her in the 2016 election. The Democrats in general, minus Tulsi, are a bunch of goalpost moving, flat out, blind, disrespectful, partisan shills on this topic. Julian Castro, going back to that topic of the golden rule, that beautiful concept of, you know, treating people like you want to be treated. Julian Castro calls Mitch McConnell Moscow Mitch. <laughs> And this is not something he came up with because MSNBC has been saying it for many days in a row. I believe Joe Scarborough on MSNBC came up with this. But everybody's now repeating it. Hey, guys, that's some McCarthy's bullshit. Hey, guys, that's xenophobic, you dumb bastards. That's xenophobia, you dumb bastards. That's what that looks and sounds like. That's xenophobia right there. The closings, 
most of them at least pretty much amount to blame Trump, Trump's bad. Um, and those platforms, like I gotta say, they're not gonna get it done. They're not gonna get it done in general election. You gotta take on some damn issues in a genuine fashion and not just fucking seek to blame Donald Trump for everything and call him a racist. And call the people that may not agree with you and may not vote for you racist. That's just not gonna get it done, guys. Been hoping that you'd uh, seek out a mirror and actually look into it, but most Democrats don't seem to have done that yet. And they don't seem to have any interest in doing it going forward. So, yeah. That means Trump's probably gonna be the president in 2020, for sure. Tulsi during her close says that warmongering politicians have failed us. And she doesn't make distinctions between party. She just says, warmongering politicians. Good for her. And then she says, there is no shelter from nuclear war. Which is a fucking fact. And people need to think about that. People need to think about that a little bit more. She makes comment about our domestic needs. And I gotta say, our domestic needs in America are great. And Tulsi wanting to end the wars. And then use that waste of money, the trillions that we waste on wars, bullying other countries all across the globe, the trillions that we waste there, they could actually be brought back home and actually spent on a lot of things that we need help on domestically. And that's really the only decent path to go down. And Tulsi's really the only person even talking about it. Andrew Yang slams pundits for complaining about him not wearing a tie. <laughs> that was cool. And calls the debates basically reality TV. This is theatrics, folks. And he says, that might be why we got a reality television star as the president. Um, good point, Adrienne. Kamala Harris, stirring her clothes, keeps saying she will prosecute the case against Donald Trump. Kamala Harris, you cannot spin what you were away. She likes to throw the word out there. I will prosecute, I will prosecute the case against Donald Trump, making it into somehow this good thing, like superhero effort that she's gonna prosecute against Donald Trump. What she's trying to do is project into people's mind that the fact that she was a historical prosecutor in the past and did a bunch of bad things as a prosecutor, that shouldn't be tied to her in a bad way. It's a bunch of um flimsy mind magic that she's trying to basically roll out on the American people. I will prosecute the case against Donald Trump. Look, the people know you were a prosecutor and we know you did bad things and you can't run away from it and you can't spin out of it. You still did what you did as a prosecutor in the past. Sure, prosecute Donald Trump if you get in a position to do so. Prosecute Donald Trump's policies if you get in a position to run against him in 2020. Do that. Do that all you want. But don't think the people of the country are dumb enough to hear you constantly repeat that line and think that it's now a good thing to be a prosecutor. Because what you did in that role, historically was not very good. And you can say, oh, that's a lie, that's a misrepresentation, blah, 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 blah. But you still were a prosecutor. So in closing, we got zero minutes total on censorship, not only in this debate, but in the debate prior. Zero minutes total on censorship, on social media censorship, zero. Goose egg, zero minutes. And we got a total of five minutes tonight on foreign policy. And to me, and dare I say, many others, censorship and foreign policy are two of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issues, because they go hand in hand. Because what's happening? They're using censorship to suppress peace arguments, arguments for peace and against war. They're using censorship to do it. So censorship is a fucking issue that we need to pay attention to. You wanna talk about Russia hacking our election and all this bullshit? Dude, that is infinitely smaller than the election manipulation being done by the mainstream media, constant 24-7 cable news coverage on all this BS, and the way social media redirects politically, redirects algorithms, and basically formulates opinions and keeps people in their own bubbles and echo chambers. And not only that, but seeks to censor, ban, block, memory hole people 
that are trying to get the general population to break out of those binary placemats that they're standing on. And granted, yes, there are some really nasty people, hateful, bigoted sons of bitches out there, and they've been blocked too, but, but that's a justification for rolling out the ability to block people, block people's free speech, and then they do it to other people. Then they do it to a laundry list of people. And it's always like, well, it's needed because we got this one hateful asshole there in the corner, and he's just a real son of a bitch. He's a real hateful, dangerous person, and we need to block him. And, and once he gets blocked and that's allowed, then we've created a precedent that everybody can be blocked. Censorship is leading to the suppression of anti-war, pro-peace arguments, and it's also dovetailing with that in tandem, leading to the suppression of arguments that are being made against the two-party system and arguments that are being made that intellectually bubble up in people's mind, end up turning people's brains on about the two-party system and about how big of a fraud it is. Suppression, big tech censorship is seeking to suppress pro-peace arguments. And the topic of big tech censorship got zero minutes tonight. And the topic of foreign policy got five minutes tonight in a nearly three-hour debate in which the first 20 minutes was used to do Chicago Bulls and now... Here's Kirsten Gillibur's starting lineups. And then they did multiple songs, theatrically placed their hand on their heart and show everybody that they're a nice patriotic American. This reminds me of when motherfuckers just go in and sit in the, in the church pew every week, but they don't live the values of a Christian or whatever um, religion that you claim. They just physically show up and think that gives them a pass. Somebody can put their hand on their heart and still not be a patriot, still be somebody that actually undermines the Constitution, not lifts it up, instead of cherish it and make it better. They can make it worse. Elevate the thinking, guys. Elevate the thinking. Now, the debate is over. Apparently, Tulsi Gabbard is the only candidate not to trend on Twitter, which is clear, which is clear election meddling by Twitter, the company. We got Google Trends again this time. Every state, all 50 states, Tulsi Gabbard is the number one search term in comparison to all the other candidates that are running. She's the top search candidate in all 50 states right now. And yet we got mainstream BS propaganda pieces coming out on MSNBC's website that claims to say, here are the top six search people and Tulsi Gabbard isn't even among the top six. That's, that's election meddling because that's actually touching millions of American voters. Not some two, three, four thousand dollars of ads paid for by some Russian. That's not fucking meddling in comparison to MSNBC or another massive American media conglomerate putting out straight up bullshit lies and propaganda and suppressing the fact that a certain candidate is the number one search candidate in all 50 states. So yeah, come talk to me about election meddling.